Good morning. Welcome to Clinton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Michael. I am excited to see all of you here in the sanctuary as well as those who are joining us uh, outside listening on their radios and those who will be listening uh, later on over the phone. Um, we have some announcements and stuff to tell you about, so I'm going to hand that over to our liturgist, and she will fill you in on all the good things happening. Good morning, church family. Good morning. As you can see, I'm not going to read the announcements to you, just highlight a few of them. April is Autistic Awareness Month, and Sandy is selling her um, Autistic Awareness ribbons after worship service. And on the 25th, we will have a guest speaker talking about autism. We are accepting any recipes. Ladies, gentlemen, we need recipes for our cookbook, please. You can just give those to the greeter or drop them by during office hours, whatever works for you. Um, as you know, the building is open now. Last week, we realized that when it came time for communion and for affirmation of faith, Nobody had their hymnals inside, so if you want to carry your hymnal in your little bag, I'm the chair. bring your bag in and out with you. We kill, still can't sing, but you can follow along if you want. That way you're taking the hymnal that you use home with you and bringing it back every week, and we don't have to worry about somebody touching somebody else's hymnal. Swiss steak dinner was a success. Our profit was $2,816.65. Woohoo! Um, before we even had the dinner, we had made the decision that we were going to help two of the local charities, the Clinton Library and Clinton Elementary PTO, and we will give them each a $500 check from our proceeds. Awesome. And those of you that live in Clinton, I, I believe we're going to have an article in the Clinton Local soon because tomorrow we are presenting the check to the library and possibly a photo op. We'll see. What time is that at? Uh, we're going to go there at 1.30 tomorrow. Can I come? Sure. Woohoo! We'd love to have you. Um, today we kick off woohoo! our plant sale. You'll notice the flyer on your bulletin. Those of you that are computer savvy, there's a link right there. You can go to it starting today and start placing your orders. You do not have to have a PayPal account, but you can use your credit card to pay for your orders. Anybody that does not want to deal with the computer, I have hard copies. I'll pass out after worship. If anybody wants help doing their order, I'm more than willing to meet you sometime. Just give me a holler. I'm here every Monday morning at 10 o'clock, so I'll be happy to help you with your order. Um, those of you that are doing the uh, paper orders, I will need your whole packet, though, not just the back sheet when you turn that in. Uh, let's see. Okay. We have something going on fundraiser-wise every month starting May 1st till the end of the year. We're going to be busy little beavers. One event that we have scheduled to do is the car show, which is the first Thursday of every month. However, we need a chairperson to run that event. We did it last year, so we've got lots of tips and ideas to give to whoever wants to chair that, but if we do not get a chairperson, that event will not take place. That'll be the first Thursday of every month. It's held right there in town behind Maeve's Shopping Center in that new parking lot. And it runs from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock, I believe. Maybe 5 to 8. But if you're willing to help, please give me a holler or Linda, and we'll give you all the tips you need. Also, for announcements, Phyllis has leftover food from the food pantry. Please, please, please come in and shop because it has to go today. Thank you. It includes bread, eggs, and milk, so some perishables. And it's all set up in the gym. And it's set up in the gym. The bags are there. I've already shopped. It's easy peasy. Okay, please join me for call to worship. 
Peace be with you. How good and pleasant it is. When we live together in unity, receive the Holy Spirit. It is like precious oil on the head, the blessing, the blessing of, of the Lord. Lord. Please join us for, or join Kim for our first hymn, Depth of Mercy, page 355. join me for our opening prayer. Breathe in this place, O Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to open our minds, unlock our hearts, and enliven our faith, so that we may welcome the risen one among us. Amen. Our next hymn will be Up from the Grave Here Rose 322.
mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ you would please join me in our prayer for illumination. God of all who doubt and believe, by the gift of your Spirit, enable us to hear with our ears, to see with our eyes, and to touch with our hands your word of life, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, NRSV version. The believers share their possessions. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Remember the first believers who shared one heart and soul, held their possessions in common, and distributed them to all in need. In that same spirit, let us present our offerings at the feet of the risen Lord.
now have the doxology. God, we give you thanks and praise for light and life and love and all above. The presence of the living Lord among us, by your spirit who breathes with us, within us, strengthen our faith, use our gifts, and work in our lives to bear witness to the resurrection of Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. It is now time for our youth moment. I'd like to invite all of our youth and children to come hang up or hang out over here-ish. Don't hang out. How's everybody doing this morning? We're kind of awake, maybe. Yeah, Pastor Michael has two cups of coffee this morning up by his stuff. It's a two-coffee morning. So, today, what's today? What was last week? Do you guys remember what last week was? What? Easter, Easter that's right. So what's this week? the second Sunday of Easter. No special name other than that. But some really cool stuff happened on this day. Jesus appears to all the disciples. They're, they're hiding in a room, and he comes into the room, and he talks to them, and it's just, it's really awesome. They get really excited. But somebody's missing. One of the disciples isn't there. His name was Thomas. And because he wasn't there, the other disciples go and they find him like, Thomas, you're not going to believe this. We saw Jesus. And Thomas is like, yeah, sure you did. He's like, unless I see where the nails were in his hands and the cut in his side, I don't believe you. So a couple days later, they're all together again. And Jesus comes back and Thomas is with them. And, and Jesus walks up to Thomas and says, look at my hands, look at my side. And, and he says, do you believe now? And, and Thomas is like, you know, yes, I believe. And, and for a long, long time in history, Thomas has gotten a very bad rap. Everybody called him Doubting Thomas, saying that he, didn't, he should have just believed when they told him that but that he wanted to see it for himself. And, and so for a long time, people would talk about Thomas when someone would say, well, I don't believe you, and they'd say, oh, don't be a doubting Thomas. And it, it's really not fair because the other disciples were all there in the room when it happened. We don't know if one of the others had been missing, if they would have felt the same way. Has anyone ever told you something that at first you were like, no, I think you're fibbing. Has anyone ever told you something like that where you're like, eh, I don't know if I believe that? Anything? Nothing? You believe everything everyone tells you? Okay. 
as long as it's your teachers and your parents and adults you trust. Um, well, for a long time, way, way back in history, people thought that the earth was the center of the universe and that everything revolved around the earth. And then they figured out that the sun is the center of our part of the universe and the earth revolves around it. And when they would tell people, a lot of people were like, nah, you're, you're fibbing. But it was true. And so sometimes we might hear something that just sounds too fantastic or too crazy to be real, but it might really be real. And the best thing about God, the thing that I always love the most about God is because scripture tells us how God loves everybody, there is nothing that someone could tell me about God loving someone that I wouldn't believe. And now I know that a lot of your parents are probably either University of Michigan fans or Michigan State fans. Whose family is the University of Michigan fan? You guys? What about over here? Michigan State? Ohio State? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, well, guess what? God loves everybody, even if they're a Michigan or Michigan State fan. God even loves the Ohio State fans. In fact, God probably has to love them a little bit more because they cheer for Ohio State. But just know that because God is so powerful and God can do anything, that anytime you hear me or, or one of the Sunday school teachers or other adults tell you something really amazing about God, you can trust them because God does such amazing things and God loves us so much, okay? Even if we didn't get to see it, if we weren't there, we can trust in God, okay? Does that sound all right? Let me give that a shot. Okay, now let's see. There's something else we normally do when we're up here. What do we normally do? Does anybody remember what we usually do when we're up here? What do we usually do? The Lord's Prayer, that's right. Can you guys help me with that? Okay, you ready? Our Father, Our Father who, art in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the power. And the glory forever. And the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, one more thing, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but since I forgot to have the suckers ready for last week, I think you guys can each have two suckers to make up for me forgetting last week. Okay, and if you're and but you have to listen to your parents about when you can eat them, because because pastor's not taking the bullet on that one. Okay, <laughs> and then we've got Sunday school. So when you get your suckers, head towards Miss Linda, and off you will go to learn amazing fun things from the Bible. Does that sound good? Everybody in? Okay, can you go follow Miss Linda? Really gotta watch how much fun I poke at Ohio State. My father-in-law's from Ohio. All right. 
in your bulletin, you will uh, see we have some prayer requests, um, continued prayers for Martha's nephew who has special needs, Scott. He is at U of M, um, and they're having some issues with his feeding tubes. Uh, so please pray for his doctors and for him and his mother. Um, continued prayers for Nancy Martin's family who is grieving her loss or their loss of her. Continued prayers for Terry, um, whose health is declining, and prayers for Phyllis as she is um, trying to support him the best she can. Um, we also have prayers um, for Jenny, Marsh, um, and Tracy Young and Molly Kovac. I hope I said that right. Uh, they are all fighting cancer, and they need our prayers. And then prayers for um, Bob Wheatley, uh, who is in treatment for cancer, and unfortunately his medication is causing him heart problems. Um, so we need to keep them all in our prayers as well. If you would please join me now in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come before you this second Sunday of Easter so thankful for the resurrection of your Son and all of the glory and amazement of last week. And while we may not have a, a special name for this Sunday other than the second Sunday of Easter, you still continue to do amazing things both in Scripture and in our world still today. We are incredibly thankful for your activity and your love and mercy and grace. We want to lift up to you today into your healing hands all of those who are suffering today, whether from a physical ailment or illness, from something emotional or mental, whatever challenge they are facing, God, we lift them to you and we ask that you would continue to guide the hands and efforts of all of those who are working to help heal us. People like doctors and nurses, lab technicians, research scientists, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, and, and so, so many more. We thank you for their efforts and their sacrifice of their time and their energy, especially during this pandemic. We also lift up those who keep us safe in this world. We give you thanks for the commitments and the sacrifice of all of our servicemen and women serving in the military, our police and firefighters, our first responders, and again, so many others not named. We ask that you would live in their hearts and in their minds, guide them in their words and actions, keep them safe and strong. And Lord, for those who are serving far away from home, we pray that they may be able to return home soon and we could begin to see an end to conflict around our world. We also lift you today, our nation and every nation in the world, every place where humanity and creature exist. We pray that we might begin to be better, to live into the hope of Easter find ways to work together, to see each other all as your beloved children, equal of life and mercy and grace and love. We pray that we may be able to see the truth, the truth of how you see the world. We also lift up all of our leaders in this world, whether they be in our government, in our schools, our churches, wherever, they may be leading. We pray that you would guide them in their leading. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit into their hearts, that they would be inspired to work together for the betterment of all humanity, not just a select few. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would enter all of our hearts and inspire us to work with the Holy Spirit for peace in this creation, peace that cannot be attained without you, but peace that we can work with you towards, that we could see the beauty of your kingdom here on earth. 
all of these things as well as those we keep quietly on our own hearts and minds. We lift you this day in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Trusting in God's mercy, let us confess our sin. If you would please join me aloud in our prayer of confession. You have shown yourself to us, O God, by word and spirit, with signs and wonders in flesh and blood, yet we still struggle to live and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us, forgive us, enter into our lives and cast out our fear so that we may come to trust in you and have life in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a few moments now for silent prayer and confession. Beloved children of the Most High God, we have an advocate with God, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, who offered his life in love to save the world from sin. This is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please join me for the affirmation of faith, the Nicene Creed, on page 880, and it's also listed in your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our second scripture is 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. 1 through 2, 2, NRSV version, the word of life. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks be to God. Our next hymn is page 384, Love Divine, All Love Excelling. Our third scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. We are picking up where we left off uh, last week um, in John's Gospel. This section begins titled, Jesus Appears to the Disciples. 
When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. And you say, praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. If you'd please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Lord, we find ourselves behind the locked doors of ourselves, just as the disciples were behind closed doors. Lord, may not only the doors of our churches be open to all, and that doubters be welcomed here, but may our hearts and minds be open to all as well, even those who doubt. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place, be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. This section of text primarily covers two story headings. Jesus appearing to the disciples and then Jesus appearing to Thomas and the disciples. The second story in particular is often used in preaching from the angle of the doubting Thomas theme, as I mentioned with our children this morning, whether to chastise those who doubt and praise those who do not, or to offer encouragement and acceptance for those who have doubted in their faith at some point in their lives. Well, you would find me in the latter of those, camp, those two camps, as I believe in encouragement over chastising. This is not the theme that I really want to look at from the scripture passage for this morning. Instead, I want to continue our discussion on hope that we began last week when we looked at the first uh, 18 chapters of the Gospel of John and the resurrection of Jesus. There, we looked at the three different responses of Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, and the disciple who Jesus loved when they encountered the empty tomb. We focused on their hope and how, they expe- uh, how that experience of the empty tomb impacted their hope. Today, we join the disciples when they encounter Jesus for the first time since his crucifixion and death. Now, just like Mary, Simon Peter, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, we must imagine that the other disciples were not filled with much hope, if any, after the death of Jesus. This was the man they had been following for three years. This teacher that had given so much to many, who had raised the hopes of not just his disciples, but the people they encountered, he was now gone. And those raised hopes were now dashed as low as they could be. So what now? I wonder, and I assume most of you have, but I wonder how many of you have seen any of the videos that are on the news and on the internet of when a soldier uh, comes home from serving overseas and they surprise a family member 
like a child or a spouse or a parent. Sometimes um, it's just been them, you know, coming to the door of the house or maybe at an event. There's a couple I've seen at like basketball games um, and football games. And that moment after the initial shock has worn off of those loved ones seeing their soldier in front of them, you can just see the joy that fills their eyes and their face. And I have to be honest, it's truly one of the more beautiful things that I have seen, and it brings a tear to my eye. Those joyous moments of getting to reconnect with someone that you love so much, someone that you fear you may never get to see again, to hold again, because of the realities of conflict that occur around our world. Verse 20 from our reading says, when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. I like to think that that moment was pretty similar to those homecoming videos of soldiers returning home. The disciples crying in joy as they are reunited with Jesus, their teacher, their friend, their savior. They had been hiding away, afraid of the Jewish authorities, deep in despair. And here, standing in front of them now, was the greatest joy they could have never expected. But it gets even better. Because we read in verses 21 through 23, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent to me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Did you catch all of that? He breathed onto them the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them the authority to declare forgiveness of people's sins. This is a really big deal. Back in Luke chapter 5, after Jesus heals a paralyzed man that he forgave his sins, and the Pharisees question him. Verse 21 in that chapter says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And of course, Jesus being Jesus, he shuts him down pretty quick. He says, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. And now Jesus is giving this same authority to declare forgiveness of sins to his disciples, along with giving them the Holy Spirit. I must believe that the only reason we don't have a record in Scripture of the disciples celebrating like the Baylor University men's basketball team Monday night or the Stanford University women's basketball team last Sunday night, apologies to fans of Gonzaga in Arizona, is because that I am still not completely convinced that the disciples still really fully understood what was going on and what it was going to mean for the coming days and weeks and months and years. But even despite any written record outlining that, we do have the words I touched on before in verse 20. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And that joy they were filled with came from the realization of hope that had come with Jesus' return. The despair that had filled the hearts of these people was now completely replaced with rising hope and a joy unlike any other. And why not a rising hope? The disciples had not only been reunited with their teacher, their Lord, but they also have been given this incredibly special gift of the Holy Spirit and the authority to declare forgiveness to people. 
their lives just went from seemingly over to brand new beginnings with unknown potential and possibility. Everything was new again. Everything was possible again. Now, if we continue in our reading for this morning, we come to that section of text, verse 24, where it starts the story of Thomas, the doubter, as he has been named and I talked about with our kids. And again, it seems throughout history that title never has really left this poor man, and I'm still not convinced that it's really fair. For just a few moments this morning, put yourselves in the shoes of Thomas. Just like the rest of the disciples, he, he lost Jesus, his friend, his teacher, his Lord. He still went through all the same emotions and struggles that all the other disciples did. And just like the other disciples, he had hopes for what Jesus was going to do, establishing this new kingdom, taking down the Romans, empowering the Jewish people to greatness once again, and they were lost for him and for the other disciples when Jesus died. And now, Thomas meets up with some of his fellow disciples, and, and they tell him they've seen Jesus. After building up everything about this new kingdom and, and all the other stuff, and then being killed, it's not hard to understand the skepticism that Thomas was exhibiting. I mean, from his perspective, it probably seemed like Jesus had failed. And not just failed, but dragged them all along with him and put their lives in danger now, too. Plus, when we consider that the disciples had hidden themselves away out of fear of the Jewish authorities, Thomas might have been thinking that the other disciples were starting to get paranoid or coming down with a case of cabin fever. They had been so hopeful for the fulfillment of the things that Jesus had told them about, he might have thought that they were hallucinating or fooling themselves into thinking they saw Jesus because they wanted to see him again so badly. So when we think about it in this way, is it really that hard to see why Thomas may have been a bit skeptical? Is it that hard to put yourself in Thomas's shoes and see where he was coming from? But as we read on, we find that Jesus appears again, this time Thomas is present, and shows Thomas the holes in his hands, the cut in his side. And Thomas then believes. And Jesus, he sticks around for a little bit, we're told, and does some other miraculous signs that we're not given insight into. But he hangs out for a while and continues to be with the disciples. But what about Thomas's reaction to seeing Jesus and touching the holes in his hands and the cut in his side? Verse 28 tells us that Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And that's all we get. Now there is an exclamation point at the end of that statement, my Lord and my God. So I think we can fairly assume that Thomas said this with some level of excitement or passion um, or joy in his voice. Again, not the celebration of streamers falling from the ceiling and champagne corks popping, but that's okay. Remember, we don't know how well the disciples fully understood everything at this point, and even if they did, it's been an exhausting couple of days. I mean, as a pastor, Holy Week is terribly busy, and it takes a lot out of you. And it's not the pastors that we don't enjoy Holy Week, not at all. It's one of my personal favorites. It's just a very emotional and busy time, and not that we don't put effort into any other Sunday or any other week, but we tend to pour a lot more into Holy Week, working with those alongside us in terms of music and, and other stuff, and so we just kind of, we get a little bit drained, and we weren't dealing with the loss the way these disciples were. So I think we can cut them some slack. The raw emotion of everything that had been going on and how fast everything happened. And the disciples, they didn't have Red Bull or Mountain Dew back then. To be honest, I'm not really sure they had anything that really resembled coffee or at least not the kind of coffee I drink. 
Again, I think we can cut them all some slack, especially Thomas and the others, though, for not celebrating and whooping it up like they had just won the Mega Millions lottery. But I do think that we can see how their hope had not only restored to them, but also raised to new levels. The joy of seeing Jesus again and getting to be with him again had to re-energize them like nothing else could. Forget Red Bull or a cup of coffee. This had to be like getting struck by lightning without the burned internal organs and the smoking extremities. That joy would also fuel their newfound hopes as well. And why shouldn't it? By Jesus returning, they knew now for certain that the things that he had taught them were really, really true. They now would begin to understand the things that they hadn't before. Jesus had given them this new authority to declare forgiveness to people. This was not just getting back into the game. This was a whole new game, a whole new arena, and they came ready this time. Or at least more ready than last time. And just like our scripture reading from last week, I tried again this week to think of a comparable situation in our world today of of newfound joy and renewed hope, like what the disciples were experiencing here. And I'll be honest, just like last week, I really couldn't, couldn't nail anything down. Because what could possibly compare to this new rising hope that the disciples now carried with them? But I did come up with what I think might be a comparable sense of joy to what they were experiencing, or at least what might be the best that we can get to. Now, I know before I compared their joy of seeing Jesus again to families of our military personnel um, returning home from duty and getting to see them for that first time. But I think maybe a more, even more appropriate comparison might be the first time that someone comes to know God's love and know the good news of the saving acts of Jesus Christ. What greater joy can we have than the knowledge of our God that loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross, a horrible and painful way to die, so that we might be saved and promised eternal life. Forget winning the lottery, forget tripping over a nugget the size of, of or nugget of gold the size of a basketball in your backyard. Nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, can give our hearts more joy than the good news. Now, I have something I would like you all to do. It's essentially the same thing I asked you to do in a way or one way or another almost every week since I have been here with you over these some nine or so months. I want you to go share the good news. Now, I know that it's a pandemic, and that makes it challenging. We're not as face-to-face with people or as many people as we're normally used to. But I want you to take a chance and do something maybe radical and unexpected. Now, don't misunderstand that to me. I do not want you just to run up to the first person you see outside these doors and shake them and say, you got to hear this. Um, that's That's not good. We don't do that. Um, but there are ways we can share the good news. And it's not just in our words. It's through our actions, how we live our lives. When you live out your faith authentically in how you love and trust God, other people who do not yet know of God's love will see that in you. They will see it in your eyes. They will hear it in your words. They will see that there is something going on inside of you, and it's infectious. Not COVID, um, but it's infectious. And they're going to want to know why. They're going to want to know what it is that you've got that they don't seem to have. Again, it doesn't mean running up to the first person you see and telling them they've got to convert. That's not what real evangelism is. The good news is about love. God will present you with opportunities throughout your life to share the good news in a lot of different ways. And there will be times when we miss that. We're not focused. We don't totally click that that's what God was trying to get us to do. And that's okay because 
God has control of our time. But when we listen and pay attention, those opportunities become more apparent. And you will get to see that joy in them when they hear that good news. There's enough joy to go around. Let's go out and share it. Amen. Our last hymn is number 465, Holy Spirit, Truth Divine. Beloved children of God, let your life be a sign of Christ's life, so that others may come to believe that the Lord is risen indeed. This is the blessing of the Lord. Live forevermore. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.